As you know, we've been talking about for the last, uh, well now it's been four weeks, uh, about um, the tools of the trade and what God's done in the armor of God and put on. Um, Pastor Don gave us a powerful word last Sunday morning about the gospel shoes of peace. And how many of you know that your feet have been tested this week um, to try to uh, get out of your peace and that sometimes it's a little hard to maintain, but we know that if we stay focused and keep our armor on, if we keep our boots on, if we keep um, focused and dressed, starting with your truth from your breastplate of righteousness um, and then into your gospel shoes of peace, knowing and staying in the word, God wants to move and direct you in that. And I think it's just powerful what God's doing. Um, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And this week, uh, we want to get into you, we get to part four of it, into you. Well, let the word get into you. Whatever he wants to do. I don't, even, I don't even care. That's what happens when you get all tongue-tied and twisted. But we want to get into part four of the tools of the trade with you, which is the shield of faith. And so what we'd like you to do is just turn with us in your word to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 16. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. Um, God's good. Amen. Amen. His word's good. Amen. 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 Let's go ahead and read this morning. Ephesians 6, 10 through 16, NIV says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Come on. Come on. It's powerful what God is doing. And how many of you have found a new um, respect and honor for the, the armor of God in your life on a daily basis anymore and what he's doing in you? Anybody in the room, can you tell me? If you have, just give me a good amen. Give him a good amen. Man, God has really been speaking to us about where he's been taking us for this, this next part. And, and what's funny is like, you know, sometimes on the news, I don't know if like some of you at the very beginning when all the stuff happened with Israel and stuff, like you watched it and you watched it and watched it and then it begins to fade out. You know, but I, I think we need to understand that in our world, there are still things happening. And that is still a very big crisis and a very big battle that's going on in our world. And I think sometimes um, we get caught in the ebb and flow of how the world gets up on the hype and then it just kind of fades out. But I think we need to still be very aware and very keen of where we are right now in our well, because, because people think it's not going to touch them. You know, you think because you live in a different country that there's a lot of going, things going on in this country. Amen. You know, sometimes because it's in another whole country, we think it doesn't touch us, but it affects us. And it will touch you. Now, I'm not saying that you don't want it to touch you, but when he said to take up, it didn't say put on. It says put on the armor. But it's funny how you say that the shield of faith, you've got to take it up. Yep. 
You're going to take up your faith. Yeah. Amen. And I think that sometimes we think that things don't touch us. But then we turn on the news and everything's being raided in the United States, stealing FedEx. You see what I'm saying? There is things that are affecting in our country, but we think because we live in our home in Terre Haute that it's not going to touch us. We have to put on our armor and be ready in battle, in season and out of season. Amen? No, amen. And I think that what's crazy is that, you know, talking about taking it up, but it, it should, whatever touches the heart of God should touch you. Yeah. You know, not about just like the war and the things that are going on, but I think our heart should grieve for the things that are grieving the hearts of God and should touch us. And I think that's why God's trying to talk to us about his armor. And as we dig into it more, it really digs into the character of God and his heart for you, his heart for his kingdom, and his heart for the people that are lost and dying. And that's why I think it's so important that we are, what's crazy is you guys don't got to think about this. We are coming into the end of the year. And as we get ready to finish into the end of the year, we're going to finish with the armor of God ready for the next year. Is that not, that's powerful to me, how God set it up. He's dressing you and fitting you for the next year to come. Yes, and, and you know, the Hebrew year already started. It, it began, and I believe God is shifting us because he did that. But for the year that we are getting ready to go into in 2024, that is so weird to say that. But he's, he's getting you ready. And so, um, you know, as I begin to think about it, you know, the tools of the trade, going back to the beginning, if our trade is to be a Christ follower, then our tools must match the trade. Our greatest tool is the armor of God that we put on daily. And so uh, God gave me this. It's funny because we've talked about three main things. We talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the gospel shoes of peace. And God said this to me. He said, truth is our foundation. Righteousness is our desire. Peace is our pathway. And faith is our protection. Listen, listen again. Truth is our foundation. Righteousness is our desire. Peace is our pathway. And faith is now our protection. God's wanting you to teach you how to protect what's inside of you, yeah. what he's put inside of you. And the shield, we went, I know you broke down the shoes and the Roman soldiers, and that's been the theme. What's been so crazy is if you think about it, you know, the Roman, Rome, when it came in against the Jews, there was a big issue. And you, you think it's funny that uh, Paul chose to choose the Roman soldiers' armor, or that God chose that to describe the armor that we put on. Um, but I think that that goes back to say, you know, what the enemy turned and meant. God turns everything for the good of those who were called according to his purpose. And there were purposes of this armor. And so I want to give you a little bit about the shield. The Roman shield was originally oval and smaller in size. But by early 4th century BC, the Romans' fighting tactics began to change because they realized they needed a larger shield to project to protect the majority of their body. So the first shield, you know, these round little shields, but you know, I mean, if you look back to the Roman soldiers, you know, they didn't wear pants to war. You know, their shins were guarded. Yeah. You know, with the, what was the name of that one more time? The greaves, thank you. The shins were guarded with the greaves, you know, and then the boots were put on, and they did have their, you know, their belt, which normally had a leather, it was almost like a skirting that kind of went around it, and their breastplate, but they didn't have anything to protect the hole from the other parts of their legs. And as they went on, they realized, man, I need something that's going to protect my body, protect the hole. And so what they did was they made a larger rectangular-shaped shield that was curved. The curve of the shield served two purposes. The first purpose of the curve was to better deflect the enemy's weapons. 
This did much better than a flat surface, which would take the brunt of the blow by allowing the enemy's weapons to slip off the shield more easily, resulting in far less impact to the soldier. The second purpose of the curve was so that the edges of a soldier's shield could overlap with the other soldier's shield, providing complete protection against the enemy's blows for the front lines as they advanced in battle. A Roman soldier's shield was red in color and bore the symbol of the Roman god of war that they served. The average weight of a soldier's shield was 22 pounds and heavy to carry. But due to the new fighting style and the way the soldiers didn't have to wield the shield around so much, weight was not an issue to them. Typical shields were made of three sheets of wood glued together and covered with canvas and leather or animal skins. Later down the line, the edges were lined with metal in order to keep the shield from splintering so easily. In the center of the shield was a round raised piece, usually made of iron, that provided space in the back for the soldier's hand to carry the shield and was used in the case that the shield had to be used as a battering weapon itself. At times, the Roman soldiers would soak their shields in water before battle to extinguish flaming arrows and keep the shield from catching fire. Due to the shields being made of leather from animal hides, over time, the shields could crack and break. So the soldiers were also responsible for daily conditioning their shield with oil. The routine of daily applying oil kept the shield soft and pliable and less liable to break in battle. The soldiers knew their shield was vital, was a vital necessity to not only their protection in battle, but for their fellow soldiers in arms as well. What's crazy is the very uh, specifics of that shield and how it was made and how they fitted tightly together, not just for themselves, but they fitted with one another together. And we were talking and, and we felt really impressed on our hearts about a story in the Bible of three soldiers who understood the purpose of the shield of faith in their life. And I want to share that with you today. Um, so before we go on, do you have anything else before no. we close? Okay. So before we go on to, into that, uh, I, want, I want to give you the story. Turn with us to Daniel chapter 3. And uh, this is a powerful story. We know it. Many of us know it. If you don't know it, it it's powerful. Um, I'm not going to read the whole first part of Daniel chapter 3. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a breakdown. Um, there was a king whose name was Nebuchadnezzar. And at this time, he had built an image made of gold that was literally this giant, huge image that towered down. Uh, 90 feet tall, yep. It was 90 feet tall. I mean, you're talking, that's, that's tall. That's huge. Made of gold. And literally what happened was when they heard any type of music that was played, any type, any bag, harp, lyre, any type of music that was played, he demanded and required that everybody in the kingdom knelt down and bowed before this image. And it was their God. And there were three Hebrew soldiers. See, this was during the time of the Exodus, after they had been, um, the Israelites had been sent in Exodus out of Israel and Egypt. And so um, what had happened was they came under command of several kings, because that was 70 years worth that they were under one of the kings was Nebuchadnezzar. And at this time, um, three Hebrew boys were in 
this regiment of what was taking place with this uh, stinking idol that was being placed before them. And they chose and they said, listen, I don't care what you want. I don't care who you are. I'm not changing just because I live here now. I'm not following along with the, the demands and the culture of the world that's around me. Well, what's interesting is these three Hebrew boys were honored to be the administrator of Providence. So they were in that kingdom of King Nebuchadnezzar. This is not like saying, okay, they were outcast and they came in and you got a bow. They were in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom being honored as administrators of the Providence. So it wasn't like, you know, that they were just like, outsiders coming in and you're going to be commanded about. They were on that whole team. So just kind of get that in your mind. Like, you know, before that, it was Daniel. Daniel was family to these three Hebrew boys. And when, when Daniel honored and said things that he needed to say to King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, well, what would you like? And he said, I would like for you to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into my kingdom. Go ahead. No, I just want to know. No, no. So because they, it's not they were not outcasters to do that. No. Well, that's why all eyes were on them. Yes. As we get to this next section, that's why all eyes are on them. And you know what's funny is when you choose to truly be a soldier in God's army, you will become a target for all eyes to be on you. They're watching you. People are watching you. They're watching what you're going to do. Even the enemy, he's watching what you're going to do. You are a target to see, hey, how do you live? What do you do? But you're also a target to the enemy of how you're going to live, how you're going to do it. And if I can, I'm going to knock you down to size and make you look opposite of what you're saying you are. And so here are these three Hebrew boys, and I want to take you to verse 14. So here we are. They don't bow down. Coming up to verse 14, they do not bow down. And so all the other administrators that they're working with become tattletales. And they begin to say, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not bowing down to this uh, to this idol that you have created and you've demanded. They were fortune tellers. Yeah. So they were tellers. Yeah. And they were tattletales. Because the king obviously didn't see it in the beginning because they ran up to go tell. You got anybody that tattletales on you? No, seriously, all eyes really is on you. Whether good, bad, ugly, you know, that's that's the whole key of them trying to take their stand. Go ahead. No, and so here they go. They they don't bow down to it. These other tellers go up and they tell the king, hey, they're not bowing, king. What are you going to do about it? So the king calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come before him, and this is what he says. He said, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And who is this? Who is the God who would deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
Abednego, and he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually was heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said to them, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of the fire had come upon them. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's commands and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses shall be laid in ruin. For there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. in that story that happened. There's a lot in that story that took place. But what I get from it is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew how to use their shield of faith. They knew their armor. And it is our job. We must know how to use our shield. We must know it. We have to know. And so we want to give you some points today back and forth. We're going to interject. But the first point we want to give you, number one, is your shield of faith should be a testament to the God you answer to. Your shield of faith should be a testament to the God you answer to. And just like the Roman soldiers who carried a shield, their shield was red and, and on the front of it was the symbol of the God that they served. And just like them, God wants to know, does the faith you carry let the enemy know that you are covered by the blood of the Lamb and the God you serve is the one and only true God? What does your shield represent? Who's your symbol? What does your faith show you? See, they knew, it says in verse 16, O king, we have no need to answer to you. They knew who they answered to. Do you realize that your faith will determine who you answer to? Your faith is a testament of the God that you serve. It lets you know and the world around you know, I don't have to answer to you in this matter. When my car breaks down, I don't have to step out of my peace because I don't need 
you in this matter because you are not the king that I serve. There's times that I'll open up a tithe and they say, 
I'm trusting in God. And they're doing their full tithe. Love you, Nana. Or, you know. But you know what I'm saying? That they're stepping out in faith no matter what. No matter what, if it's going to get turned up, oh my goodness, I got another job, but it's not paying me as much. But I know God told me to go here. I have to have my feet here. But do you think that that's going to try to get turned up to you? Or you're dealing with something with your child. You think that it's going to turn up to you? That you're saying, oh my goodness, I know. I know what God wants. I want to read this real quick. Isaiah 48, 10. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. And I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. What? He chose them in the furnace of affliction. He set them apart. This is what this means. He set them apart, unique, not able to be brought to a certain form or a condition. So there's a furnace there in front of you and, he, and the enemy's saying you have to go in. God didn't say to go in. The enemy said go in. He said put them in the fire. God didn't say hey let's put you in the fire. No but he uses it for his good. He uses it for his glory. So there's a refining fire and he says it means to set apart unique not be able to be brought to a certain form or condition. You can't be in a place of a certain form or condition. That means what she said. You're either going to be yay or nay. You can't serve to the You're going to either serve the one and hate the other. You can't be conformed to a certain condition. You're either going to stand erect in your faith or you're not. That's good. So what will happen when they say, okay, now, sorry, I'm gonna, you're going to go into the fire. I'm going to turn this thing up seven, seven times hotter. Isn't it funny how the enemy got burned while you were walking through? Fell over. They didn't even get in the fire. They were outside the fire and fell over dead. Some of your enemies are going to fall over dead when you walk through the fire. It's a fire of affliction. You ever had a fire of affliction? That's not funny. But what's funny about it is that fire. They were thrown in the fire because of their faithfulness. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I really want to be full of faith. And you know how you get full of faith when you empty yourself. Yeah. And there's nothing left. There must have been them three Hebrew boys. Must not have anything left of themselves to not bow. Well, I don't think also that they, uh, what I think was crazy about it is you look back at the Roman soldier's shield and yeah. how it carried it. It became weightier than the larger that it became. And But they weren't afraid of it because the tactical yeah. um, area of their battle, it changed. So it wasn't, they couldn't fight it the same way that they had used to, but they didn't need to anymore because the shield was much larger to protect them. And I think that what's crazy about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they understood yeah. that the tactics of their battle had changed and they weren't afraid of the weight that was being pressed upon them because they knew that their shield was what made a shield about them no matter what they went through. And even to the point, they let's be honest, they said we believe that our God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're still not bowing. And I think that a lot of times our faith goes to the point of, oh my God, 
outcome of it. it. That's the point of it. And what's so crazy is I was thinking about this, and we have to come to a point that we must understand the more faith we carry causes us to be greater targets of weightier battles. The more faith we carry. So I guess the question to you today is, are you going to let the weight of your faith crush you or cause you to stand? Are you going to allow it to crush you or cause you to stand? Faith stands resolute to the enemy while everything else around it bows. Faith stands resolute. That means that it knows no matter what's in front of it, it's not changing its mind. I'm not going to be detoured by what is thrown in front of me. If I said no, I mean no. I don't want to watch that because I don't right. want to watch it. That's because right. I don't like what's being put into my ears and into my eyes. I'm not going to do that. I don't care if you're in my house. If I have to go to the other room or I tell you to shut it off, that's what we're doing. I don't really care. I don't care if you're my friend and we're in the car together and that I'm not listening to that music. I'm not being a part of that. Well, if you compromise, it brings your shield down and all of a sudden your eye gates, your ear gates, and all your mouth gates, all your gates are opened up to the enemy because you compromise and you bring your shield down. Well, a compromise was, honestly, guys, look at this this way. Compromise was never made in the midst of a battle unless peace treaties were signed. And can I tell you something? We're not here to sign a peace treaty with the devil. Come on. Where we're at. So we're here to stand yeah. and stand firm. Because he said, what does it say again? I'm going to go back to Ephesians where it said, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that the day when evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. He doesn't say you will be able to stand your ground until I come and some kind of form of compromise is made so that you can sign a peace treaty with the enemy so that you can live in peace here on earth and be happy for now. That's not what he said. He said stand, stand firm, and stand firm then. Yeah. Yeah. If y'all don't realize when a peace treaty is signed between Israel and the things that are going on, we're in trouble. We were never meant to make a deal with the devil. Faith is not a deal maker. Faith stands and stands its ground. It stands resolute in the face of the enemy. Faith faith was never meant to be a burden to carry, but it's a privilege. Faith is a privilege to carry. It's not a burden. It's not something that was meant to weigh you down. And what I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they understood the privilege of carrying faith for their God. Three, look at me, three out of the thousands of Israelites and Hebrews who knew the name of their God, who knew the name of the Holy One of Israel, and only three chose not to bow. Three. That's not much. And I believe we're coming to a day where the few, the remnant, will choose not to bow. But you've got to choose to be that. Because guess what? I ain't going to be people my head around being like, get up. Get up. Get up. No, guess what? You've got to choose to get up for yourself. you got to put your own armor on. I'm not dressing you. And neither is God. He's not dressing you either. He tells you, take up the armor. You do it. You put it on. I love you so 
said about the weightiness of the, the shield. And I think sometimes we, our faith, we sometimes when it's a big trial that comes on us, you know, I think sometimes we, we don't want to go through that battle. Do you know what I mean? It feels so heavy that we think we're carrying the, this faith and we feel like, now come on, let's be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest. We think in our mind sometimes, I don't think I can make it through there. I don't think my body can make it through there. I don't think sure. my family can get through there. I don't think, come on, come on. And then, and then we have to say, oh my goodness, you know, just like I said to Chrissy, you know, when we lay it down, then we pick it back up. When we lay it down, we pick it back up. Come on, somebody, get real. This is a real, real deal. And, and sometimes I think that we feel like that, that faith is weighty. You know, like, I don't really well, like to pick that up. How much more do you want from me? I'm so tired that I can't pick that shield. That shield's so heavy. And it's, the more the battle is, the heavier, just like you said, the heavier it gets. You know what I mean? Not in a bad way, but it's, it thickens itself up. Your faith through the trial, through the refiner's fire, through the furnace of affliction, it, it, it brings a thickening, and I, I thought about when you said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the three, and you know, I'm just going to say this, some of you don't like to connect like this from faith to faith, because the Roman soldiers touched their faith together, they touched their shields together, and they moved in unison, whether they moved to the left or they moved to the right, they moved in unison to keep themselves from what the enemy was trying to. So, you know, we, we're a remnant. It's not like, oh, you're a remnant, and you're a remnant, and you're a remnant. No, we're a remnant that is moving in unison together. And that's going to be, that's an important thing in the hour that we're in, to put yourself down from your pedestal, put yourself down from the situations of erecting your own gods, you know, we're not looking at a 90-foot golden image. You have images. I don't care if it's on your Facebook, your chat, and whatever they are, all the rest of them that they are. Snapchats, you know, I don't know. But but you can have an image. You know how you take a picture of yourself? It ain't you. It ain't you. You got different color eyes. Your skin's a little bit better. Your hair don't even look the same. You got an image that you're trying to show everybody else, but in reality, you got slippers on, your hair's pulled back, you ain't got no makeup on, and you feel like crap. Yep. Honest to God. Yep. And I think we have to be careful with the image that we try to do in our own self. Some of you put your own self in a furnace. Not only is just the enemy, but we, you literally do that because we hold down our shield of faith because we think that we can't handle that sin. Well, because you look at your problem as a weight yeah. instead of as a chance to yes. advance yes. who you are and what God wants you to do in the kingdom. So you're just done. And then you bury yourself in it. And, and what I liked, you said they were faithful because of the faithfulness that was in them. But what's crazy about it is our faith should stand firm on the reality of his faithfulness and not on whether we can handle it or not. Our faith should stand on the reality of his faithfulness, not on the reality of whether we can handle it or not. Your faith doesn't stem from what you can do, but from believing in what God can do, regardless of the circumstances or results at the present moment. It's not about what you can do. It has nothing to do about you. Yes, it is about standing firm, but your faith is not based on you. It doesn't come to give you glory. 
The disciples thought that. They knew that. Do you know a lot of the disciples were murdered and martyred for Jesus Christ? They were in cruel ways. One of them boiled in oil, cut to pieces, limb from torn, limb from limb. Disciples, the ones that followed him, sold in half. And we can't handle the little trials that come our way. It's time we learn to make the enemy mad and quit being mammy pamby, pamby about our relationship with Christ and who we are as Christians. Well, I think, and I wrote this down, uh, I thought about the, the, the furnace of affliction. Isn't that funny how you, furnace of affliction, I don't want affliction, I don't want. But listen to what, the furnace contains treasures I can't find anywhere else. The furnace contains deeper portions of Christ. And sometimes when we get in that fire, if we'll realize instead of instead of going, oh my goodness, I'm not going to be able to handle this. Man, this is too much. This is pressure. Why don't we look at it as treasures? Deep, deeper portions of Jesus Christ. While the furnace of affliction can be hot, your faith rises with a deeper portion of Christ. You, get, you, get, you gain life-giving water, honey of the word. It's indescribably sweet. Have we made it to the sweet yet? You know, sometimes you go through very intense trials. And you feel like, oh my goodness. Every time I take a step, I feel like I'm taking four steps back. You know, and, or, or you're really been praying for, you know, your family or something. And all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose and you're thinking... Man, is that, I mean, is that sweet? Is that, a, is that a piece of a honey God? What are you trying to say? And you get in the Word and you get in prayer and you're going through some trials and all of a sudden the sweetness of God is in it. You're either, you're either putting yourself towards this Word or you're putting yourself away from the Word. You're either embracing what is getting ready to happen or you're stepping aside from your shield and not letting it happen at all. God's refiner's fire will turn your pain and your situation into gold. And sometimes you don't stay in the fire long enough. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you don't stay in the fire enough to see Christ in it. Sometimes that fire and that trial gets so intense that you feel like, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be around you. You're, you're the one that's been, you know, sometimes you better check yourself, like Pastor Brandon said this morning. You know, sometimes we just got to look upon ourselves and check ourselves, whether this person's going through this or that person's going through that. Sometimes you just got to check yourself to make sure that you're okay in what you're doing or are you the same as that person. And I think the reminder will stay in the fire long enough, it becomes gold. Isn't it interesting that they were worshiping a golden image and they bowed, but the golden, the golden image of Christ appeared in the fire? They stayed in there long enough that it didn't burn them. It didn't singe it. They didn't even smell like smoke. Because they said, if, if he doesn't rescue me, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. But if not, have you even got to the place to say, but if not? Have you ever done that like Esther? If I die, I die. And there she is, 
by herself in front of Haman, and Haman's about to kill and hang Mordecai. Come on, somebody. And she said, if I die, I die. She was right in the middle of the fire, right in between, sitting at a table with, with Haman and the king. And she was right in the middle of the situation. Are you right in the middle of a situation that you could say, well, if I die, I die. But be it unto the king that I will not bow to you. The fire of the furnace will turn it into a golden image. What they really didn't realize is they didn't bow to that golden image. The golden image appeared that was the true king. That's, right. That's what needs to happen in your life. When they stepped out, the fourth man didn't step out in the fire with them. The three men stepped out and the king said, come out and come here. They appeared with the image of Christ himself, the golden, true golden image of Christ. Can you step out of a fire? Can you step out of a fire and have the image of Christ in you that he'll turn your pain into gold? It's good. It's so good. Do you realize that in um, the chapter, Daniel chapter 3, that the last time that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say anything is at verse 18 when they say, But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And I begin to look at this, and nowhere in the rest of this chapter do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say one word. They don't say one thing. They don't prove whether God's in the fire. They don't say a thing when they come out. It's not them that says, well, see, didn't you see that God would do that for me? It's not anything that they did. And I noticed that as I begin to look through it. And what's crazy is just like the Roman soldier's shield was rounded on the edges to cause the enemy's weapons to slide off easily, the Hebrew boys did not let the enemy's tactics detour them or wound them but their faith kept them well-rounded in the face of adversity, causing the glory of God to be seen through them. True faith allows God to be seen during our greatest battles over anything we can do. When someone is well-rounded, they are balanced and fulfilled individuals who are broadly developed and content in life. Your faith should balance, and balance you and fulfill you as you allow God to broadly develop you in the trials you face, finding that true contentment comes from believing in and knowing him fully. It's about being well-rounded. What's the craziness is that they weren't sharp in their edges. They weren't blunt in their words. They weren't just, here I am, this is me up front. They were well-rounded. Their faith was well-rounded around their edges, and they let all the tactics just slide right off of them and they didn't have to say anything they didn't have to do anything they just had to stand in their shield and allow their faith to do the speaking for them they were well rounded when your faith becomes well rounded you no longer are set back by the brunt of the blows from the enemy but become a place for a set up of the move of God when you're well-rounded, that means that you don't have to try to prove things. You know when somebody's well-rounded, it means they got a pretty good head on their shoulders. They got their head about themselves. 
A well-rounded faith realizes the importance of connecting to the faith of those around them, just like Pastor Don was saying about coming shield to shield. Because they understand that it's not an I thing, nor is it even a we thing, but it's a he thing. It's not an I thing. It's not a we thing. It's a he thing. Faith is about him. When I come shield to shield with mom, it's not about what we can do together. It's about what he can do together with us. It's not about just because I'm weak and I can't because she's stronger and she can. It's not about that. It's about our faith together in unity makes him move on our behalf. Not anything else. It's what he can do. It gives him glory. It gives him glory. And the glory is the fire. You know, the king could have turned it up seven times. But who appeared in the fire? The glory of God. When we, even our faith, even if we allow our faith to move us, if we surrender to the, the glory of God, and the, because it says the glory is the fire. So, in the midst of the fire, what the enemy tried to do to turn it up, God turned it for his he took, because the glory of the fire of God, he ended up being the fire. It shook the king up. Who in the world is in that fire? I put three people in there, but four's in there, and he come close to that gate. I, bet, I wonder if he was scared when he come up close to that gate, because three of his soldiers died. And it didn't say it was turned down. It says that it was seven times hotter. So here's the king. Peeking in to say, wait a minute, that was my fire. I'm the one that built that furnace. You ever have the enemy say, oh no, I built that furnace just for you. And all of a sudden the enemy puts you in that furnace. And the next thing you know, the glory of God comes in that fire. And he brings you into a place where you've never been before. Because treasures come out of fire. Gold comes out of fire. And I want to read this real quick. And I know that I know when I walked up to you, she, I don't know what she's got. She ain't know what I got, but we know that he's got me. And I walked up to her into the foyer and she said, man, this is on my heart. And I said, oh, next day my heart was so heavy. And I said, I know that I know. I got to get up there. And you know, you know, I don't do that just to do that. She don't do that just to do that. Pastor Brandon don't do that. Just, you know what I'm saying? We want to be led by the Spirit of God. And God spoke to me out of all this. And he said, Isaiah 54, 16. Behold, I've created the smith, the blacksmith, who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for his purpose. See, sometimes you're going to go through something that is going to produce a weapon for what? For his purpose. Not for your purpose. Not for your not for your good the blacksmith once the fire is heated up to a high temperature the metal becomes pliable capable of being changed under pressure You're, it creates the instrument the, the blacksmith hammers on it to create the shape that he's looking for he heats hammers and shapes he heats hammers and shapes again. The hotter it is, the metal reflects the shape of the blacksmith that he's looking for. 
God deliberately shapes us with measured force. The hotter the fire, the easier he can shake and reshape our lives. The, the blacksmith finally plunges the hot metal into cold water like a shield. He places, when it's hot, you're the instrument. He's sticking you in the fire and it becomes pliable. And he hammers it. And he moves it. And he shapes it. And then when he's done with it, he pulls it out of the fire and he puts water and oil on it. It's just like the shield of faith. It's hammered and it's shaped in a certain position. And when it's done, they put water on it and they put oil on it because then the fiery darts, come on somebody. Then the fiery darts cannot quench it. It falls to the ground. God is placing us as a shield. That watering plunge is the process called quenching. The water strengthens it and sets it in place. It makes it strong to produce what it's made for and an instrument for His divine glory. Faith can walk on water or in fire. Come on. Faith can walk on water or in fire. So he places the instrument in fire and he pours the water on it so you can either walk on water or walk in fire. The blacksmith has allotted an area just like the potter before metal and clay offer second chances. Listen. If he's dealing with wood and hay, you don't get a second chance. If you get in a fire, wood and hay burns up. But if you are metal, come on. He can pliable, stick you back in the fire for a second chance. Some of you need a second chance. He'll stick you back in that fire so he can be pliable, so you can be pliable, so you can do the things that God wants you to do. He will make an instrument out of it. But if you are dealing with yourself as wood and hay, you will be burned up. You won't be able to handle what's going to happen in the next steps that God has for you. To be under God's shield is to have God as your protector. And I thought about the fire that was at the gate of the fourth man in the fire. The fire that was at the gate was Christ himself as the shield. He was, it was Christ himself. He was the blacksmith in the midst of the fire. Even though the enemy tried to turn it up, even though it was the enemy's furnace, God came in and started to be the blacksmith. It's the best treasures ever when you're in the fire. If you don't know. I think we have to realize that faith affects every aspect of our lives. Every single aspect of our lives. And as we come to this end of this and talking about looking at how the water and God plunges you into the midst of the fire so that you can be shaped and molded into it. I think that's coming in and realizing that Faith does not accessorize my armor, but it encompasses the entirety of who I am. Faith does not accessorize my armor, but it encompasses the entirety of who I am. 
It encompasses and protects our truth, our righteousness, and our peace. And God desires our faith just like the changing of the shields of the Roman soldiers to grow, to protect them. God wants your faith to grow. That's why he begins to shake you. That's why he begins to make you well-rounded in that fire and to begin to smooth you out and begin to transition you and begins to soak you in the word of, his, of who he is. Do you know a lot of times in, in the word that water represents the word of God? In Ephesians 5.26, he talks about the church and he says to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. In Romans 10.17, he says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just as the water-soaked shields of the Roman soldiers extinguished the flaming arrows of the enemy, so will your faith that is soaked in the word of God extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy of your soul. He wants to come in and begin to move in you. He wants to begin to come over you and soak you in the water of his love so that you can extinguish all the things that come. See, you cannot fight fire with fire, but you can't put out fire with the word of God. You can't fight fire with fire, but you can't put it out with the word of God. The Hebrew boys understood this, and because of it, they didn't come out even smelling like their like their child. They didn't smell like their child. Your faith will keep you in a state of wholeness and oneness with the Spirit of God so that not even the smell of your child can try to identify you. God wants to begin to move over you. And when we choose to daily take responsibility for the growth of our faith, we put into practice setting ourselves under the covering and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to work in, the, in His power through us. 2 Corinthians 3.8 says this, We are pressured in every way, hedged in, but not crushed, perplexed, unsure of finding a way out, but not driven to despair. No matter, how we may, what, no matter what we may face, faith gives us the strength to understand that though we may be unsure of how we will make it through, we can be sure that God has a plan and will never let us down. Your shield of faith reminds the enemy that you are set apart and blessed by God. Stand with us today. Just as with every other tool of the trade, it's your responsibility to take it on. And the growth of your faith is, respons is your responsibility. Your shield is your responsibility. The care of it daily by soaking it in the word of God, by lathering it with the oil, and then by allowing the, the blacksmith, which is Jesus Christ, to test it and try it in the fire of adversary and affliction. That's up to you whether you choose to stand and do what needs to be done in the midst of that affliction. But the goal of your faith is to say, I trust in God. He's the one who won't fail me. He's the one who won't let me down. I know that I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb. And the symbol that I bear is the symbol of Jesus Christ in my life. 
So don't be afraid that once you step out of here today and you choose to say, hey, I'm truly going to take up my faith, that the enemy's mad at you. Take it as a sign that you're doing right. That you're living a life that's right by God. Take it as a sign that you're doing what you need to in the army of God. One thing that I just, before we transition, I, I thought about King Nebuchadnezzar and he getting bound to Christ. Because he said, your God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't say, my God. And so whether somebody's in front of you that don't bow to God, you still got to take your stand. Do you hear me? Because, see, sometimes even though he acknowledged that that was God, he never bowed to God. And somebody might acknowledge that that's God that you're serving. That they might not bow to God. And sometimes you have to just keep your stand. Whether they want to bow or not. That's not your decision. That's, that's not your. And it's not easy with that. But that's not your decision if they don't decide. They might say, oh my goodness. That God you have. But they might not say, that's not my God. And even if your heart feels so amped about that. They have to make that decision to serve God.